Welcome and happy Easter. Welcome to the inaugural Easter service at the church at Haynes Creek. This is our first one. That's right. I went, it's well documented now, so I'll stop talking about it. Before we started this morning, I think we can assume a lot. When people come to church, we can talk Christianese and assume that everyone knows what we're talking about. And oftentimes, people who live in the Bible Belt know how to speak Christianese, but they don't know what the gospel is. So we're going to articulate the gospel before we begin this morning because we're going to talk about the best news that the world has ever heard. We're going to make sure everyone understands it. So this is it. This is the gospel. The entire world is morally dead because of sin and capable of coming to God on its own. We all have criminal records and we have no spiritual pulse. Therefore, God sent His Son in order to die in our place and to pay our debt. And on the third day... He was raised from the dead by the Spirit so that He could in turn breathe that very same Spirit into us and make us alive in Him. Jesus Christ became the prototype for raised corpses. Now because He lives, dead sinners can have life if we believe in Him. And that is the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. That's why we get together on Easter and say, He is risen. Is that, is that a Baptist thing? That was something there. I liked it. And I don't know what it was. We can keep doing it, though. Um, that's why we have Easter. Jesus did what we couldn't. If I had to put a title on the sermon this morning, it's, We could not, so Jesus did. Christ our liberator. 1 Corinthians 15. If you'll turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 34. And while you're turning there, I'll have you know this. Of all the problems we have in this life, relationships, money, sickness, loss, the only eternal problem that we have is that we're dead and we deserve hell. And Jesus took care of both of them. And the resurrection is how we know He was who He said He was, and He did, in fact, what He said He was going to do. Easter is the promise that whatever problems we have in this life, our hope is secure because Jesus lives. That's why Easter is important. Because I'm sure, despite the fact that you're all dressed well, I'm sure your lives are not as clean as you seem to be this morning. And Jesus knows that. Which is why He lives. So that when you take off your... your, when you get back into your PJs today, Jesus is still going to be alive. Jesus is still going to be sitting at the right hand of the Father. You're still going to need His grace just as much today as tomorrow, as the next day. And that's why we chose 1 Corinthians this morning is because Paul puts it like no one could. So we have a little tradition here. And uh, it's not because it's like this book is magic. But here at Haynes Creek, we believe that the Bible is actually breathed out by God. We believe that God wrote a book and it's called the Bible and we have a reverence for God's Word. Everything we do at this church is dictated by this book. And because of that, when we read God's Word, we stand. So if you'll stand for the reading of the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 34. And Paul says this in the Spirit. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. 
We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if, and if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under His feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that He is accepted who put all things in subjection under Him. When all things are subjected to Him, then the Son Himself will also be subjected to Him who put all things in subjection under Him, that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. What to gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to their shame. Let's pray. you for the resurrection. Thank you for raising Jesus from the grave so that you could in turn raise us from the dead. You've given us a living hope, as Peter would say. And Father, we as the church, Father, give us a zeal and an urgency not to look upon the world and and shame the world because, Father, we were the world. And it is only by Your pure grace that we are not who we once were. And that's because Jesus is risen. Father, show us this morning how infinitely valuable Jesus is. Elevate our affections so that we see the beauty of Christ Jesus. Give us an excitement and a hope knowing that Jesus will come back and people are going to walk out of those graves. And all these things we ask in your Son's name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're new to our church, I do one thing every Sunday for my sermon, and that is I tell you what I'm going to tell you, then I tell you, then I tell you what I told you. I keep it real simple. Just in case you lose me, you can go back and go, I guess he was trying to say that. This is what I'm trying to say this morning. This is what I believe we can take from our passage. Christ's resurrection from the dead is our guarantee that God will make dead hearts new and that God-hating sinners can change into righteous, holy lovers of God. I'm going to say that one more time. Christ's resurrection from the dead is our guarantee that God will make dead hearts new 
and that God-hating sinners can change into righteous, holy lovers of God. Right now, I notice that my twins are no longer here. Um, aunt and uncle and mom had to make sure that they... I just love how many kids are in here, by the way. The Todd twins didn't make it, apparently. Um, let me tell you something. The Todd twins are a ball of energy, as I'm sure most of you have witnessed. But there is a part of the day that they're not. There's only one part of the day when they get up. They're zombies when they get up. We have to drag them out of bed. Now, by the, most of the time, I'm, I'm already at work. Um, but my wife gets them up. And I've, I've witnessed it. Um, and my wife has to do everything for them in the morning. They're not capable of doing anything on their own. She gets their food out. She gets their food ready. She puts it in there. She gets their sippies ready. She gets their lunch boxes ready. She puts on their clothes. She changes their diaper, shirts, pants, hair, gets them in the car, gets each their separate dinosaur, drives them to wherever they're going that day. And they're doing this as moms like just, they're dead. They're alive, but they're dead. They're not capable of actually contributing anything on their own. They're cute, cuddly little zombies is what they are. They're woken up, they're fed, they're changed, they're dressed, they're driven. They don't do anything. Mom does it all. And I'm sure she's not the only mom who does that. It's actually kind of funny to watch. There is nothing they can do in the morning for themselves other than eat. And sometimes not even that. Making messes, complaining, and compl- telling mom what toy they want is pretty much all they're capable of. And that is essentially what the gospel is like when God finds us in our sin. We're helpless, hungry, naked, selfish, and unable to supply ourselves with anything to help us get out of our sin problem. That's why Paul makes very clear in verse 22, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Everyone in Adam is spiritually dead. We're conceived in sin. It's not a social problem. It's in your DNA. There is a reason Jesus comes. There's a reason Jesus is risen. And it's because we're dead in our sins. No one is exempt. The reason people have a hard time trusting in Jesus, the reason the Christian life isn't easy, is because we're dead and we don't even know it. We have to come to Him, but we don't have the power to do it. Charles Spurgeon said this, Scripture does not only tell us that man is dead in sin, it tells us something worse than this, namely that he is utterly and entirely averse to everything that is good and right. Christianity is not about Jesus coming to change your outlook. Christianity is not about Jesus coming to change your mood, not just your attitude. Christianity is not about Jesus coming to give you simply a better life. Christianity is about Jesus coming to completely change you and me. The pastor's not exempt from that. Today I can stand before you and tell you I am not who I once was. I was morally dead. I did not have a spiritual pulse in my body. I did nice things for the wrong reasons. And I claimed Jesus with my mouth and my heart was far from Him. I was a Bible belter. I knew how to talk the talk. And Jesus raised me from the dead. This is, a fan, this is fantastic news right here. The very same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now resides in me. Think about that. If you believe in the Gospel today, that is true. 
Just like my wife getting my twins up in the morning, Christ woke my dead heart. He fed me with His Word. He clothed me with His righteousness. He changed my wants and desires. And He took care of every need I had. Found me like a little child. Helpless. That's why when I encounter someone that I don't particularly like, it happens sometimes, not always, insecure, mean, angry, cussing, unbelieving, blind, my first line to them is not, hey, get your act together. My first, my first line to them is, I used to be you. If you can't look, I'm speaking real quick. If you are in Christ today, if you believe in the gospel today, and you look at an unbeliever, and you don't see some part of your former self, this might be strong. You may not know what the gospel is. Because Christians don't afford to look at the world and go, get your act together like me. No, no, no. You didn't get your act together. Jesus got your act together. We're here by grace and by grace alone. We talk a lot about faith today. Got to have faith. Got to keep the faith. Don't lose your faith. Let me tell you what my faith is in. My faith is, that, my faith is that I'm alive today because Jesus is alive today. My faith is that God is doing in me what He did in Jesus in the tomb. Let's read verses, 19, or verses 17 through 19. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins... Then those also who have fallen asleep, or those who've died, in Christ have already perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. That means the resurrection is the foundation of our faith. This weekend in the New York Times, they interviewed um, a president of Union Seminary. And um, they wanted to know what she thought about Easter. And she said, I want to make very clear, I don't believe in the resurrection, but I don't think that's important. She's the president of a seminary. And Paul says to her and to all of us, if Christ has not been raised, you have faith in nothing but yourself. If God did not raise Jesus, people do not change. They just die. That's why Paul goes to such great lengths. You heard, you heard um, Dave just go through it. Before Paul gives us this passage... In verses 1 through 11, he gives us how many people, in fact, saw the risen Christ. More than the apostles, more than the disciples, more than Cephas. At one point, 500 people saw Jesus. He says, I'm here. I didn't do it in secret. You saw me. There is no conspiracy here. There is no Da Vinci Code happening. Jesus is raised. People saw Him. And for the ancient Near Eastern culture, back 2,000 years ago, for almost 600 people to lay eyes on the risen Christ is a small town. I was talking to someone not too long ago about sin. Talking to him about my own sin. Don't ever talk to somebody's own sin about... Just lay yourself there. Say, I'm a sinner too. And they said, no, no, God knows my heart. I said, whoa, that should terrify you. That should horrify you. It should make you flee to Jesus and beg for a resurrection. God knows our hearts and they are evil and desperately wicked. So many people don't believe that today. So many people hate the idea of original sin. So many people vehemently reject the idea that we are inherently sinful and need to be changed. And yet that is precisely 
what we must confess to God when we come to Christ. I'm dead. I'm a goner. I need you. I need to be born again. I think it's a terrible irony that the world spends so much of its time today talking about how much sin there is in the world. And yet no one wants to admit that people are inherently sinful. God has given us every indication that the world is dead in its sin. And yet because of our sin, we are willing to believe that the evil resides everywhere in the world except in our own hearts. It's in that person. It's in that country. It's in that party. It's in those people. It's in that generation. It couldn't possibly be in me. Sin is so much easier to see in someone else than it is in you. And yet, when we come to Christ, we have to say, I have a sin problem. I am the problem. That's why repentance is so hard. The world is the way it is today, not because of someone else. It's because of our sin. And ultimately speaking, it's not just Adam's fault. It's our fault. Okay, Avi, I believe all that. I'm not good. You didn't have to tell me that. I know I'm a horrible person. What do I do? Because I've been trying to change my life, and I, it's hard, as you might imagine. I get the whole, I'm, I'm born in sin. I, I, I tell you, since I've, since I've ever been able to walk, I've been getting in trouble. What do I do now? Now what? Tell me now. Preacher, don't just tell me how sinful I am. Tell me about the gospel. What's the good news? How do I change? Do I start, like, do I go to Kroger and, like, help old ladies out with their groceries? What's going on? Nope, don't start there. Don't go to Kroger. Don't go to the YMCA. I don't know why you would go to the YMCA, but you can help people at the Y, maybe, I think. Don't start out there. Start here. Confess your sin to Jesus and believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. It begins that simply. Believe it, trust it, put your faith in it, stake your life on it. The only way people change on this earth is by believing in the good news of Jesus Christ and it starts there. There might be some folks this morning going, oh, wait a minute, he's talking about the gospel now. Hey, tell me when you come back to the, to the Christians because I've been a Christian a while. Hey, hold on, you don't have to pay attention. He's talking to the people that aren't saved. No, I'm talking to everybody. You will never hear me, should, nor should you ever hear from a preacher, hey, real quick, if you're a Christian, turn off your ears real quick. I'm going to talk to the unsaved people. No, no, no. That's not how it works. If you believe in the gospel, you understand that you've got to preach the gospel to yourself every single day of your life because you forget it every day. I do. Christians preach the resurrections to themselves every single day because I'm going to tell you right now, I need the hope, I need the power, I need the promise every day of my life. I'm weak. I'm needy. I'm like my babies when I get them up. Help me. And the resurrection is as relevant to Abi Todd today as it was when he was first saved. Look at what Paul says in verse 31. Oh, sorry, I was supposed to make a point there. Unbelievers thirst for the gospel, believers relish the gospel. The point being, the gospel never gets old. Look at verse 31. Maybe I skipped that. Chris is like, dude, you're all over the place now. (laughs) I want to go to verse 31. I don't want to skip it. It's scripture. Abby can say a bunch of things, but let's not skip over what the Apostle Paul actually said. 
Verse 29 through 31. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? Don't miss this. I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. That means every single day of the Christian life, the old self is trying to get back up off the cross and the Spirit of God says, stay there. I've got to crucify the old Abbey every day. The old Abbey doesn't want to play nice. The old Abbey wants to talk about people that I don't appreciate. The old Abbey wants to whip the tongue out and start talking about people behind their backs. The old Abbey doesn't want to be bothered. The old Abbey certainly doesn't want to love thy neighbor. Old Abbey is trying to fight the new Abbey every single day, and the difference is not how good I am. The difference is the power of the Spirit which came and conquered the grave. That is why I don't distinguish between unbelievers and believers. Everyone needs the gospel. I think the reason there's so many misunderstandings about sin and perfection in the church is because we don't understand the resurrection. We think that those who have been saved are saved from never sinning again. We think that the church is supposed to be full of perfect people. And if you see people in the church sinning, well, they must be a bunch of hypocrites who don't believe in Jesus. Well... Let's, let's hold the brakes there. Now, there are people who show up to God's house on Sundays who are not God's children. We know that. But the church is a saved... Br- I'm back where I was, brother. Whoa! You caught up with me now. The church, is, the church is a saved bride, but she is an imperfect bride. The church is a changed bride, but she is not a sinful bride. Not yet. She is not a sinless bride. Not yet. There's an order to what God is doing in the world. And here it is in verses uh, 22 through 26. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. If I had to put the plan of salvation, if I had to, five steps of what God is going to do from beginning to end of salvation, here it is. God the Father sends His Son to live obediently to atone for our sin. The Spirit raises the Son to conquer the power of sin. The risen, ascended Son sends His Spirit upon this church. The Son returns to defeat death and to claim His church. The Son hands it all back to the Father. That's it. There, there's, there's all of history right there. Five steps. Hobbies, five steps to the history of the world. There you go. That's why we preach the gospel every single day. We need it. Followers of Jesus Christ die every day to their flesh because we're not, we're not saved from death. Everyone in here knows someone who's died, I think. And that's because of sin. A dead church is not necessarily a church that sins. A dead church is a church which doesn't preach the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I think a lot of people today have been so burnt by sinners in the church that they don't ever want to go back. And the resurrection does not promise us that there won't be sinners in the church. The resurrection promises that those sinners in the church, there will be one day when they won't sin. George Whitfield said this, whoever reads the gospel with a single eye And sincere intentions will find that our blessed Lord took all opportunities of reminding His disciples that His kingdom was not of this world, 
that his doctrine was a doctrine of the cross, and that the professing themselves to be his followers would call them to a constant state of voluntary suffering and self-denial. If I had to distinguish between... Abi, what's the mark of an unbeliever? What's the mark of a believer? I think the mark of the believer is those who believe in the gospel and can articulate the gospel. I think the mark of the unbeliever is not sin... The mark of the unbeliever is consistent unrepentance in the face of truth and love, and that's bondage to sin. So what does the resurrection have to do with our lives today? I think when I look at my wife taking care of our kids in the morning, and I go, man, they're really cute. They're just, they're so beautiful. But man, they're a handful. Man, they're sinful. My kids already learn to cry and hit and not share. I don't think they picked that up from Kelly and I. They may have. But man, they're so cute. And they know they can get away with stuff. Already. They're not even three yet. They can get away with stuff just by being cute. And they figured it out. And so God has given and made two babies who are so beautiful, so delightful, so charming, and yet so sinful, so selfish, and they can't do anything on their own. And I think that's what God sees when He looks at humanity. We are made in His image. We are, we are, we are above the animals. We are, we are dignified with something that no other creature has ever possessed. When God looks at humanity, He says, look what I made. And then by the very same token, He can look at humans and say... The, he, the animals can't conduct war. Animals can't tear each other to bits and, and speak things with their mouths that just tear at one another. Animals cannot have the dignity of humans, but they certainly don't have the potential capacity for evil like we do. Isn't that a tragedy of sin? And so we're like helpless babies when God finds us. And so I think the good news of Easter is this. Jesus obeyed the law because we couldn't. Jesus paid our penalty because we couldn't. And Jesus broke the power of sin because we couldn't. And then comes Jesus. And just like babies, when they wake up, He wakes us up. He says, time to go. He feeds us with His Word. He clothes us with His righteousness. He helps us. He gets us out the door. He gets us where we're going and says, I've done all of this, not because you were willing to love me, but because I loved you first. That's the good news of the Bible. And if we put our hope in that, we put our faith in that, we will be changed. And we will live. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Jesus is sitting at your right hand now. We're praying to you because we're scared, because life is hard. And Father, you have everything under control. Nothing surprises you. You've foreseen it all. Father, I pray that as scared as we are, as much uncertainty as there is in this world, as much pain, as much death, as much sin resides on earth, 
Father, I pray that Jesus would come back and squash it all. That the power of the resurrection would win over the power of death. Father, use us this morning. Use us this week. Use your church to shine the light of love of Jesus Christ. And I pray this morning that for all those who have not believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that by the power of the resurrection, you might bring them to faith. And all these things we ask in your precious Son's name. Amen.